So a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, two friends of mine, had the opportunity to choose between going to Medjugorje and going to the party island of Magaluf. And they decided to go to Magaluf instead. So off they went and they got there and whatever it was, 20, sorry, 30, whatever, 33, 34 degrees. So they got there, Jenny, we're not built for this. So then they spent most of the day in bed, the first day on arrival. And then because it's a party island, uh, people tend to party until the wee hours of the morning. So like you start going out at midnight until like six in the morning and so on. And then, right. So they spend most of the day in bed and most of the night drinking. And then most of the day, the following day, nursing the head. Oh, Juni, I never again. But then doing the same thing the following night. And then the following day, going, oh, Juni. And then maybe falling asleep in the sun and waking up with, <laughs> and, and then partying <laughs> all, all night. <laughs> anyway, so basically at the end of it, they said, that was absolutely miserable. And if I had a choice between Medjugorje and Magaluf ever again, I will choose Magaluf every single time. <laughs> Sorry, did I say Magaluf? Medjugorje. <laughs> I will choose Medjugorje every single time. All right. And, and, it's, and I've seen this, like, I've seen this from the earliest days of our youth group and that people, they come along to, to Medjugorje with us, this is back in the mid-90s, and from then on, like, uh, and they said, okay, we've, so I've gone to Medjugorje three times, I'm, I'm going to go to Lanzarote or something. Uh, and then you meet up after, how to go? Uh, yeah, it was good, it was good, like, I mean, yeah, was, mm, got a nice tan in Lanzarote, but to be honest, then, then they'd say, that they'd kind of be shocked at themselves, they'd say, but to be honest, like, Medjugorje's just way more fun. Or like the, it's more the group, you know what I mean? Like when you're out there with a group, a, a group of good people, a good prayerful people, and do you know what I mean? The ice creams and the pizzas all night, well, all, all until 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night, like, and then the poor staff there in, in Colombo's going, oh, you want more ice cream? How can you want more ice cream? You're here for the fifth time today. <laughs> like, but but it's, it's really, it's like there's such a good, at, wholesome atmosphere, and beer is dog cheap, and no one cares. <laughs> you might have one. You know, it's just, there's, there's such a, a healthy and wholesome atmosphere there. So we see that our faith is, is anything but boring. When our faith is lived right, it's life-giving, and it's actually, it's fun. It's joyful. It's not a list of rules. The rules, there, the rules are necessary as well, of course they are, but you don't live your life according to rules. You live your life according to love, and then the rules are plain obvious. The rules, are, are, they, they fall into place. It's plain obvious. If I love the Lord and love my wife, I don't commit adultery. I don't need a rule to tell me I, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't commit adultery. That's plain obvious, you know, if I love. So, so when, when the Lord comes into our lives, what he reveals to us is life and life to the full. And the enemy will try and convince us that every single other possible lifestyle is more fun than what God offers us. And that's just one big fat lie. That's very theologically said there now. Uh, big, big, fat lie. But that's what it is. It's, it's, just, it's just not true. It's not true. <clears throat> the gospel today about the, the, the darnel and the wheat um, is, is a very interesting one because I, I, uh, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe there's some better informed farmers out there, but I wasn't really sure what darnel and wheat, what the story is, how they look, I don't know. Uh, but I found a really interesting article that describes how, how, if you plant them together, what happens. When they sprout and they're at the grass form, they're practically identical. They both look like grass. Yay high, you know, both green, yay long, you can't tell them apart, okay? Uh, as they start to get, uh, as they start to develop, the wheat, the wheat grows at a slower rate, 
because the wheat has a much heavier head. So it's, the wheat is trying to fill the grain, whereas darnel shoots straight up, right? And darnel has no fruit, or very little fruit, it's, it's a, and it's poisonous, <laughs> incidentally. So it's got no fruit, it's poisonous, uh, and it stands up tall. Because the head doesn't weigh down with the, with the weight of, of, of the grains, it stands up tall and proud. So it's, it towers when, when they're fully grown, then the wheat will grow up, and then the heads will start to bend when they're, when they're full of grain. Whereas the darnel will shoot straight up with nothing to show for all of its efforts. It's, it's jet black, so it's a, it's a very kind of un, uninviting, unattractive looking plant as well. So no fruit, poisonous, and uh, stands tall and proud for everyone to see. Unlike wheat, which grows slower and hangs its head bearing its fruit. Bringing us to another head-hanging saint whose surname is also like Magaluf, but Saint Charbel Magaluf, right, who we, we celebrate today. And you, you'll know the picture of him, you've probably seen it in churches or handbags or wherever, but this, this, this monk with his head bowed in humble prayer. And he's a, a fascinating, a fascinating Lebanese uh, hermit, just a priest as well. Uh, the, the, the story of his life <clears throat> is one of relative, relative poverty when he was young, and then he ran off anyway to become a hermit, a Maronite hermit, so he's Maronite uh, Catholic, and uh, very, very profound lover of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, loved spending time in adoration. And so he would spend hours and hours in adoration. People would come to him for advice, but he was very, very softly spoken, very, very gentle. Apparently that there were some miracles worked uh, through his intercession during his life, but when he died in 1898, for 45 nights, there was a light, a mysterious light over his tomb. And people seeing this supernatural phenomenon they thought it might be good to exhume the body. Like, obviously, there's some, is, there, is this like a divine sign that this, this is a saint or, or, or what? So they exhumed the body. And the body had started to, to, to this, this is always a little difficult to describe to children because it sounds, sounds gross, but there you go. The body had started to ooze <laughs> uh, an oil, right? Uh, which people then blessed themselves with and discovered that it had miraculous healing properties. This happened for 67 years. And it said that, judging by the, they put a kind of a bucket um, to, to collect the, the, the oil coming off the body. And over the course of 67 years, about 20,000 liters of this, that's 20 tons uh, of oil was, was collected off. Now he didn't weigh that much, like he wasn't that big a fella at all. So to get, to get 20, like it's, it's, another, it's another miracle, like to get 20, 000, like 20 tons, 20,000 liters of, of, of this oil off him, which then went, went around the globe and countless, they, they, they lost count of the, of the number of, of miracles attributed to it. So here is a man like the wheat who grows up quietly, not drawing any attention to himself, bows his head in prayer. And because he does so, he bears much fruit years after his death. He died in 1898, that's 133 years ago. 
and he's still doing mission. <laughs> he's still, like, he was a hermit, like, so he didn't meet that many people, and he definitely didn't travel. Whereas now, here we are in Ireland, he, he was in the Lebanon, and we're talking about him and being inspired by his life and his prayer. His mission has continued despite his, his hiddenness. Why? Because he was, like we were meditating over the last couple of days, the, 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 the vine, the vine and the branches. I'm the vine, says the Lord, you are the branches. He remained connected to the Lord. And then the Lord, it's the Lord then who through him touches all the souls, converts, heals, draws them back. And Charbel knew, Father Charbel knew how to get out of the way. You know, how to bow his head in prayer and not be an obstacle, not draw attention to himself or draw people to himself, but how to draw everyone to the Lord. And so our faith is, it's life-giving, it's, it's, it's joy-giving, it's freeing, it's healing. It's, it's, it's a whole new way of seeing absolutely everything. You know, like a, a, a person who, who's living their faith, right? You get an ice cream on a hot day, right? A banana split, right? You get your banana, you split her down, you pop her out, cream, cream, ice cream, ice cream, some fruit just to con consider it healthy, okay? And, uh, and you're chawing into that and you just think, my God, I thank you so much. This is amazing. So I thank you for these surroundings and for the people with me and for this amazing food. And now even your ice cream becomes a motivation for prayer and thanksgiving. It's so simple. It's just the simplest little thing but it's now prayer. Or even like you know, when you're preparing a meal, and it might be hot, and you're in the kitchen on a day like, on a day like today now, and you're peeling spuds, or you're, you're standing over a big pot of pasta, trying to keep the steam out of your eyes, and the whole place just fogging up, and you say, Lord, look, I, just, I thank you for this, for the privilege, the privilege of being able to, to make people happy through, through food. Why do I keep talking about food? You wouldn't. You wouldn't think it's a look. You wouldn't think it's a look. Okay, something else. Uh, maybe sport, right? You see, uh, the Olympics, Olympics are coming up. I'm not sure if you've any interest in the Olympics. It's kind of, a, it's kind of really taken a, a backstage now because of, um, because of COVID and that and no crowds. But hurling, right? You see, even you see a good, a good match, right? And just like the skill and the, 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 the drama of it all. And Lord, I thank you for sport. So everything, everything then takes on a whole new kind of flavor and meaning. And then there are the, the harder things where a cross comes your way, uh, some sort of a difficulty, and maybe you don't see the reason for it. Maybe that there, that there is no kind of human or logical reason for it at the moment that you can see. You say, Lord, I, I, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know the full picture here, but I, I trust that, that you have a plan in this, that, that you have a reason for this. And so like St. Charbel, like our blessed lady, I, I bow my head before this. I don't have to understand. I'm not, the, I'm not the main man here. I bow before you and be it done unto me according to your word. And difficulties will come and, and, and old age will come and things will start to seize up and slow up and the memory won't be as sharp as it once was and that's, that will happen. That's going to happen. But in all of these things then, one by one, the Lord has given me so many gifts throughout my life and then one by one I get to give them back and say, Lord, I had them for 80 years or 75 years, whatever it was. And now I return them to you. I thank you for the health that I had while I had it. And I hope that I did the best I could with it. And the intelligence that I had and the, the good looks that I had and the influence that I had and the music that I was able to, to play. I had, the, had these things, these gifts for a while. They are such that they're loaned to me. 
and I hope that I, I, I did the best I could with them while I had them. And now I return them to you in humility. And so my life then just becomes a one great big prayer and one great big act of service. And why is that important? Because what do you think heaven is? And we spend all eternity with God in one eternal act of prayer, one eternal union of my will with his for all eternity. It's, it's, it's a life of prayer. So everything we do, I, I'm not really sure. It's amazing, considering heaven is so, so important, uh, there's so little written about it in, in the catechism, actually. There's an awful lot we don't know. We, 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 we know the most important things. It's going to be epic. That's not exactly theological language. We know it's going to be absolutely fantastic. We know it's going to be perfect. We know it's going to be perfect joy for all eternity, where it all will wipe away all tears. You know, so there's no more death, no more sorrow. That we know. We know we're made like God and, and we, that we become partakers of his divine nature. Yes. We know that initially when we die and go to heaven, we won't have our, our bodies, but that eventually, at the end of time, we will be reunited with our glorified body. I think I'm going to be a lot more tanned <laughs> in my glorified body and be somewhat more sunproof. Um, so, so it's a glorified body. So it's not, it's not, it won't be the body at the age you died in, because that would be a little unfair. Uh, no, we get, we get a glorified body. Now, how exactly that works, we don't really know. But then if we have a body, that means we have to eat. So what do we eat in heaven? We don't really know. <laughs> There's a lot we don't know about heaven, but it's, we don't need to know. We don't need to. We'll see when we get there. But it's just going to be absolutely fantastic, like that, that, that up in, in heaven with the Lord for all eternity. He will be our everything for all eternity. You know, and we will be perfectly complete and happy for all eternity and never get bored of that because love, love doesn't run out, especially divine love. Discovering, like, like we were talking about yesterday, in discovering prayer. When you discover, when you kind of take a step forward in prayer, you look back kind of embarrassed at how you've been praying thus far and maybe a year or two later you have another good experience, a good retreat or, and then you go, oh my goodness, how have I been praying for the last 25 years and then you take it. So it's even here on earth when, when we take a step forward in, in, in holiness or in, in depth of prayer, we realize, how, how didn't I know this before? Why didn't I? Why did no one tell me this? But imagine for all eternity with God, we'll never run out of things to discover. We'll never run out of, 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 of digging into this, this mystery of divine love. Never. We'll never run out of it. So for all eternity, we're never going to get bored of God. Ever. This is all what's, what's ahead of us. And how, how do we get there? We get there following the example of our Blessed Lady, following the example of St. Charbel. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, bowing our heads in humility and allowing the Lord then to, to cause much fruit through us. So we ask the good Lord today to fill us with that holy joy that we get to, to live a, a life here which is day after day a privilege and an honour to be able to walk with and serve the Lord and come to know him ever more deeply. And we pray that the opportunities that we have, that we won't, we won't waste them. And as things become difficult and crosses come our way as well, that also in those we will still glorify the Lord and say with Job, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen.